Uninvisible is a support podcast that deals squarely with medical issues that present unique advocacy issues for individuals. We do not provide medical advice. Please consult with your physician for any medical issue that you are facing. Information and comments that you send to us are governed by our terms of service and privacy policy which are available on our website located at uninvisiblepod.com. The opinions expressed by guests are their own and are not necessarily the opinion of Uninvisible or the show sponsors. Any advertising that you may hear is accepted without regard to our editorial content. Welcome to Uninvisible. I'm your host, Lauren Friedman. And I'm here with my guests to bring you info, insights, and inspiration for coping with, diagnosing, and treating invisible illness. We're here oversharing, so you don't have to struggle with invisibility anymore. Okay, guys, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm fangirling once again because (laughs) I am joined by a fellow Spoonie who many of you know and love. It's Kelsey Dara. She ah. is, hey, she lives with trigeminal <laughs> neuralgia, hey, and comorbid conditions, um, anxiety. So we're going to get into all that. Former BuzzFeed producer, the host of the podcast Confidently Insecure. She's a comedian and her show on E! Dating No Filter premieres February 4th for the second season. Yes. I don't know. 2.5. I don't know. (laughs) 2.5. Awesome. (laughs) So Kelsey, thank you so much for having me. It is such a pleasure. I'm so thrilled that we connected and once again, connected through Alana Jacqueline. Let's just get straight into it. Tell us when and how you first realized shit was going down with your body. Sure. So I think my story is a little bit different from a uh, a, a um, more common spinny story where it's something genetic or something that they kind of grew into where my story starts with a botched surgery. So mm. I actually had someone do this thing to me that caused my life to change drastically, which I know is very different from uh, a lot of people who unfortunately are constantly searching from, for answers, for causes. Um, so I'm not unaware that I am lucky in the fact that I kind of know what the fuck happened to me. Sure. <laughs> it's but it more seems to about, also be yeah. a common thing in trigeminal neurologists, especially it's like, it's often a surgery that a yes. surgeon fucks up yeah. and they hit the nerve and there you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of dentists it happens with as well. Um, yeah, so uh, I had a botched jaw surgery done mm. in 2015, which was actually my second surgery for my jaw. I had one in 2009 that went fine. Um, and then in 2015 was part two. And uh, I woke up and knew something was immediately wrong because my teeth wouldn't close and I was having mm. insane pain and I was on, you know, morphine, Demerol, all that good shit. Yeah. And um, I voiced my concern and I spent three days in the hospital and I went to the doctor's office on the fourth day and he said, you know what? You're right. Your bite didn't take. There is something wrong with the settlement of what happened. So three days after, or excuse me, four days after I had the initial surgery, I went back in to do the exact same surgery over again. And we had no idea what we hadn't, we didn't know we had any options at that point. The doctor was a family friend. We totally trusted him. We knew that he had over 20 years of practice. He was the best of the best. So we had been told. And I went in, you know, a couple of days later and had the exact same surgery done. And when I woke up from that surgery, 
everything was different. Everything from the feeling in my face to the way that I spoke. And I had, you know, major traumatic surgery done to my face. And so Mm -hmm. I was told for the first three to six months, well, of course you're going to be in pain. Of course you're going to have problems. Of course things hurt, you know, this is recovery. And so like many spoonies, I was ignored and brushed aside and told my pain wasn't uh, as bad as I thought it was, that it wasn't real. Um, and then it wasn't until I said, fuck that doctor, I'm going to go get some mm-hmm. second opinions that the word trigeminal neuralgia started to get tossed around. And it was like, I, I'm sure a lot of Spoonies have that moment where they Google something. And then when they read the description, their stomach just drops out of their ass and yeah. they just go, that is exactly what it feels like. Yeah. That is exactly what it has. And so I had this kind of aha moment of like, holy shit. And, um, were you outside the statute of limitations to sue the guy too at this point? So, so not yet. Mm -hmm. I had, I had a couple months left and I was going in between a bunch of doctors trying to gather paperwork and, um, diagnoses and I was getting all these scans done. And in the meantime, I was flying home. I had the surgery done back in Florida, Uh, I was flying home and anytime I would try to go see this doctor that did the surgery, he was so conveniently out of town or couldn't Mm. return my calls. And I mean, I am like leaving sobbing hysterical messages with his assistants, like, please tell him to call me back. I am in so much pain. This isn't right. I'm afraid I have an infection. Mm. And finally I said, fuck it. I'm flying back down there. And when I went down there the day I was supposed to see him, he sent his partner to see me instead. He walked in the room and I was like, this is oh, just you're a chicken end. shit then. So we right. know your MO. We know we had a feeling that at that point he knew what he had done was pretty intense and, and fucked up. And his partner, you know, threw a bunch of different scenarios out there like, oh no, this is what this is, you know, after a year feeling will come back. And I'm like, you know, I just felt like you don't understand what's happening. So he kept telling me, wait a wait a year, wait a year, wait a year. And at this point, you know, I had just got my job at BuzzFeed, which was like my fucking dream job. So I didn't really have the time to also deal with this trauma that was happening to me. I was so focused on like being above the pain and finding a joy and happiness in like other ways that by the time I got all the paperwork together and was mm-hmm. ready to confront this guy with a lawsuit, we found out that the statute of limitations in Florida was only a year for that surgery. It and seems to be a year for most part. Places. That's yeah. Well, I, can't I even will imagine. say, I will say for, for many years, I mean, I found that out in 2016 and then I started making content about it because I was so frustrated. I didn't know what to do with my anger. Yeah. And just recently, I mean, this is now four or five years later, I found out about the statute of repose, which I had never heard of. And I mean, I've been talking to lawyers. No, I. Yeah, I've been talking to lawyers for four years. What I found out the statute of repose is, is if something new comes up, even post statute of limitations, if a doctor were to look at me tomorrow and say, oh, it's not trigeminal neuralgia, it's this, mm. I can, it, it basically starts over from the day of diagnoses. So what happened was we found out that one of my implants was failing that he had put in. And a doctor looked at the CT and said, you have a failing implant. And I went, fucking yes. Wow. This is my in. 
statute of repose. He hooked me up with some doctors and some lawyers and I have appointments that are being set up right now. We're gathering all sorts of records and like, it feels like the fight has begun again. Like the battle cry has just like the horn has been tooted and I'm like, okay, we're back. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's interesting too. Cause like, okay. So I watched Can We Cure that you and Laura mm-hmm. Parker did together. Mm-hmm. So, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners have also watched it. And mm-hmm. in that you wrote a letter to this guy and you sent uh. it to him eventually, right? Your boyfriend helped you like put it in the mail because it was I really know. stressful. So dramatic. So he already like, he knows you're pissed and there's literally nothing he can do about it because it's his fault because he fucked up. So, you know, I'm sure you can't like talk about the details of the case too much, you're yeah. putting it together, but yeah. it sounds like this guy is going to lose his license. You would think. Yeah. But every lawyer that I've talked to, which I mean, if any Spoonie has ever tried to take legal action, they know that it is the most stressful, hard part of the process. And every lawyer I've talked to has been like, are you sure you want to do this? Like mm. why, what is your intention behind doing this? Like, we have to warn you, this is not going to be easy. This is going to cost a lot of money. And for me, I had so much fucking anger for so long that I had to learn how to forgive this person and this, this guy that did it to me that it became now about quality of life, right? Like yeah. now it has become about how am I going to afford to pay for treatments for the rest of my life? And if I really think about it too much, like the rest of my life, I go to a very, very very scary place. So I don't think of it in that way. I think of it as like day to day, what can I do today to try and make this better? How can I feel like I have done everything I can to turn my pain into purpose? And I have to imagine that this guy has seen my video. Like, I just can't imagine that he doesn't. (laughs) Well, he could live under a rock. It sounds like he's hiding under one at the very least. So, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you know, I've I've let that anger kind of go with the Mm. personal shit, but now it's become more about, again, like doing this for people. Like, 99% of people with trigeminal neuralgia do not get this chance to, to move forward with litigation. And so, for me, it's like, I'm just trying to take advantage as much as I can at what has been, what I've been given by the universe. And I feel like the universe is like, you know, doing its thing. Yeah. So I'm just absolutely. trying to ride that out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, okay. So we're talking, this is the trigeminal neuralgia thing. What about comorbid conditions? And like, did your anxiety start because of the TN or, <laughs> you know? Um, it definitely, it was exacerbated. So I mm-hmm. have what's also called um, anesthesia de la Rosa, which is, the main source of daily chronic pain. The TN comes in flares. I'm lucky in that sense. A lot of people live with TN that comes every day. And I have been in remission from a serious TN flare flare up since 2017 was the last time I was admitted to the ER. But my daily chronic pain lies with the AD, the anesthesia Mm -hmm. dolorosa. And that is localized in my chin, in my bottom lip, and about like 50% of the bottom half of my face. And Mm. that's the daily, daily chronic burning, stinging, fiery, tight knit. Like that's what is my uh, battle every day. On top of, I had always had uh, an anxiety disorder since I was a little girl. Um, And I felt like I was managing it really well. Mm -hmm. I mean, by the time the surgery had happened, I had been, you know, in and out of therapy and psychiatry, the the system for 
oh, 10 plus years. Sure. And then when this happened, and I'm really glad you asked about it because I don't think we talk enough about the mental part of being a Spoonie mm-hmm. that, you know, you can get in some really fucked up places if you are not also taking care of your mental health because the number one issue that I have is frustration. Frustration. Yeah, sure. I, I cannot get frustrated without sobbing and like getting into a very dark place. And frustration is probably, I would say, the most common feeling amongst chronically yeah. ill people. It's just when and how do you manage that feeling of like not knowing when it's going to come on. Yeah. Hopelessness. Mm -hmm. It's that not Mm -hmm. knowing when's it going to start? When's it going to end? Like we might know it will end, but we don't know Mm -hmm. when sometimes we don't know the triggers. Like, yeah. Right. What treatments will be developed and yeah. Yeah. And and I never had an issue with agoraphobia Mm -hmm. before the surgery. When I realized that I had these flare ups and these bad, bad pain days, like my worst pain days, I wouldn't leave my house for months at a time. And that is very similar to like a depression, a depressive episode that I realized. And I found myself so fearful to leave Los Angeles to be more than a car ride away because of my greatest fear being, what if I get a TN attack? Yeah, of course. Not at home. Yeah. What, what would I do? What would I do? Yeah. I don't know what I would do. If I got one on a plane, that is my Oh my God. Fear. And also with the pressure on a plane, I'd worry. Exactly. And like yeah. the sinuses and oh. all, you know, I have 28 screws in my face. And so it's like, you just get one wrong sinus infection and it's, yeah. it starts a whole, you never, you never know what the triggers are exactly what you said. And so yeah. living with that fucking monster behind my back, I was, I really had to learn how to man again manage that agoraphobia and i still get it all the time but mm-hmm. i told myself i'm not going to let this stop me from living i used to travel all the time i used to you know i i was the most friendly outgoing person and then i found myself inside and afraid to talk because i was so afraid of using my face and my mouth and my muscles and my jaw yeah. and i just said fuck this i am going to force myself to seek mm-hmm. the discomfort because i'm already living in discomfort every yeah. single day so why yeah. not be uncomfortable in fucking Thailand, you know? <laughs> I'd rather Very be true. uncomfortable in Thailand with like a coconut martini or whatever than, yeah. you know, at home. But yeah. yeah, it's a balance. It's a balance for sure. Yeah. And and it also makes all of that stuff that we do every day, like just driving to work or, you know, getting on a plane mm-hmm. to go somewhere, it makes it even more stressful. Like it makes it, Absolutely. the getting there part is often less enjoyable. <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, being in the entertainment industry, there is no guarantees. Like you don't sign an insurance. I'm sorry. You sign an insurance before you get hired on a TV show or like um, a common thing we see in the industry actually is with like um, herpes type one, like the cold sore. Yeah. Actors have to sign an insurance saying like, if you get a breakout, we're covered to move production because you can't. Oh my God. Yeah. People don't think about that. Right. And like, that's smart. Yeah, everyone has fucking herpes now these days. <laughs> and it's like, if you have a breakout on your face, you can't be doing Martin Scorsese close-ups with the mm-hmm. cold sore, right? Or making out so, with your co-star. Thank right, you. Right, exactly. The, the more important uh, thing. <laughs> I was so, like, or uh, other people. Let's yeah, 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 yeah. I'm so selfish. I'm like, oh, you know, look ugly. <laughs> Close-up um, on my face. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So for stuff like that, 
my biggest fear is when I'm filling out these papers, my lawyers are going, how do we tell them that one day you might just be completely on the floor, unable to speak, talk, look, think, and you're just, you know, yeah, completely unable it's to like work. you need like and a high maintenance clause, right? Exactly. And like, no one wants to fucking hire that. I'm not famous. <laughs> enough. I'm not funny and good enough to fucking have that own shit. You know, like I'm not. I think you are. <laughs> Thanks, Carl. But yeah, so these are all things that like, when I talk about litigation and money and, and suing, it's like, that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. What if I can't work? And, and again, I'm, I'm so lucky in that I am, I am still, um, able presenting and, Mm. um, you know, able to even do the things that I can do. So I definitely don't take that for granted. But it's interesting. You mentioned able presenting, right? Because Mm. this has been sort of like the the backlash, if you will, on social media that like people are like, everyone always posts happy photos. Here's a photo of the real thing that's happening right Mm. now. That's like me Mm. in the ER, me dealing with pain and like you sort of, you're very good at doing that and being like, see, look, oh, this is me happy geez, and this is thanks. real. No, <laughs> well, but I, I just, mean, sometimes it's, it's funny, but sometimes it's also, yeah. this is how it is. Right. To me, it's, it's, you know, people always say, thank you for talking about this. Mm-hmm. And I always say back, like, I can't not talk about it. I yeah. can't not, like, I think that's maybe why I'm in, in a different mental position now than I was five years ago is because I've learned that, like, and the same with, you know, who else is amazing at this is Laura Parker is like, yeah. I just don't give a shit. I just don't give a shit. I am, I am talking about how I feel and who I am. And, you know, I, if I don't, it becomes my entire identity. And I feel like having a little bit of an outlet to either joke about it or, or just be honest with people about it gives me the opportunity to like therapize myself a little bit about it. And, yeah. and it's not, it's not brave. It's very selfish of me to, to do yeah, like I'm doing funny. it for selfish reasons. <laughs> it's funny you say that like funny, not funny haha, but like funny weird that you say that because yeah. I had Laura on the show a few weeks ago, you know, we talked about that idea of the word brave and like mm. that often as a spoonie, She's people so are always smart. like, yeah, you're so, you're so, so brave. And, you know, a lot of us are like, I'm not brave. I'm just trying to live my fucking life, you know, but by the same token, I think it, I still subscribe to that idea because sometimes we have to give ourselves the credit, right. Of being like, yeah, I'm fucking brave. Like I got out of bed today. I took a shower, you know, I I teeter between, I teeter between that exact feeling of, I am limitless and can do anything. And I also need everyone to know how fucking hard it is for me to be able to do that. So like, I totally hear you with when people call me rave and I'm like, no, shut up. No, I'm not. I'm just trying to live. And then also being like, I need everyone to know how much pain I, and how hard this is because I don't care if it sounds like I'm complaining. I don't care if it's because you know, that's the other thing is I think, I realized women, especially women of color, feel like they do not want to feel like a burden. They do not want to sound like they're complaining. And, you know, I've said, I've said it before that a doctor told me like, well, if you were in pain, wouldn't you want attention? Like, why do you feel like that's a bad thing? If you, mm. if you need help and you're uncomfortable, wouldn't you want people to be like, oh, how can I help you or whatever? And you I want people to that, believe you. Right. We feel that guilt of, of, of needing people to know that we are not okay. Okay all the time. Mm. And, you know, I don't, I don't 
feel that burden anymore. I don't feel that burden because I learned how to take care of myself. And luckily I, I can, you know, like God forbid a TN flare up, but like, and you know, it is nice to have a partner who can help massage or, you know, drive me to appointments or whatever. But I have realized that I have been in a position where I went to the ER and I have a nurse by the collar and I am literally screaming in her face to fucking knock me out, kill me, do anything. I'm hallucinating 48 hours of no sleep. And it was the biggest mind fuck of realizing I am in the one place that is supposed to help me and they cannot help me. And that was a switch that just flipped in my mind. Like, Hey, this is how black people must feel all the time when they go to the cops, right? Like, right. oh, they're not here to help me. I have to look out for myself. But B, that yeah. like that really was the moment that I went, oh my God, I cannot rely on anyone else. No medicine, no doctors, no nothing. If I cannot find a way to make myself my number one caretaker, if that makes sense. Yeah, I totally yeah. get it. And I, I'm really glad that you also mentioned the disparity between people of color mm, and white mm-hmm. people going through these experiences because it's not just with the cops, but it's like in the medical system. And oh, absolutely. You know, the episode we have on this week, we have a woman of color speaking about endometriosis immediately after Laura mm. spoke about it. And it's wow. like the the difference in the experience is pretty stark. I mean, I can't nobody's imagine. believed, right? But like right. Some people are believed sooner and some people are taken more seriously from the get-go. And it's, it's, I mean, that's so systemic, but also the problems with our health industry are systemic too. (laughs) Yeah. And and it's like the white guilt thing too of being like, well, I have this platform and I should be lifting up and amplifying voices of of women of color, but also I'm tired. Yeah. Like also (laughs) I'm not even being heard. Like how am I supposed to help other people? And, and, you know, we've got fucking Australia is on fire and our president's starting a war. And it's like, some it's days I week. just feel, yeah, <laughs> it just feels like, I don't know how I can help people when I can't help myself. And then I got to go shut the fuck up, Kelsey. You are yeah, just not only talking. surviving, but thriving, but just by talking about it exactly that I'm, yeah. I'm lucky in that sense for sure. Yeah. So tell us how you've managed everything, like how you've started taking control of mm. your, health, your health and like managing your pain. Yeah, it's absolutely an ongoing process. Yeah, I'm sure it changes <laughs> um, all the time. All the time. I mean, you, you're you part of these Facebook groups and these support groups and people DMing you, telling you about different treatments and, and products. And like, it's never over. It's never one thing that works every time. Like my breathing exercises aren't going to work sometimes. And mm-hmm. my, you know, CBD won't always be the fix. And it's about, for me, building a tool belt of, mm-hmm. of different tools to use. Like, um, a, it was learning how to prepare for any worst case scenario. I mean, if you ask my partner, he'll tell you like, I have a backup plan for my backup plan for my backup plan. Mm -hmm. And because of my personality and a bit of my, sorry, there's cat hair everywhere. Um, a bit of my, (laughs) my, uh, cats are very therapeutic. Um, Mm -hmm. it's a bit of my, my OCD tendencies too, but like I will have Again, like I said, so many exit plans for situations and I will pack extra materials and I will look at every event or dinner party or birthday or vacation as 
how do I stay the most comfortable? Mm. How do I dress to be the most comfortable? How do I choose my where I'm exerting my energy in this situation? Like it is a lot of preparation. So like yeah. that would be my first plan of advice and learning how to manage is like if you have the bandwidth to think that way, which is usually yeah. like type A neurotics like me. And me. Uh, it's all go. of us actually. Like I talk so much on the show about how it's us type A people who are the ones who end up with shit like this. Oh, yeah, because the, the universe thinks we can handle it. <laughs> like, fuck off. <laughs> I know. So that that's definitely like my first advice. And then, you know, uh, mindfulness has been uh, interesting because the idea of mindfulness is keeping yourself in the present. And sometimes all I want to do is escape the pain that is presently in literally my face. Mm-hmm. Um, so really... Uh, you know, I did um, hypnotherapy for a while where I have seen people who can truly outthink their pain. And mm. I know that that's such a controversial topic because uh, I have people will, that will suggest shit to me. And I'm like, don't you think if I could do that, I would, you know, like if I could hypnotize myself out of pain, like I would do that. And I don't think it, it, it it's a special power that I don't think works for everybody. And well, it's also like I, I, you know, the hypnosis joke, but like I would mm-hmm. rather be a chicken sometimes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So that has been very interesting too, where I'm trying to get myself, you know, I did the UCLA pain management program and their mm-hmm. whole thing was uh, how do you, Kelsey specifically, tell your pain to fuck off? Mm. How do you get your brain to tell your pain to fuck off? And I'm like, I don't know. Do you need to like snip a wire or something? Is it like diffusing a bomb? Like, I don't know. How do I physically fucking do that? Don't you think I would do that if I, if I knew how, if I knew how? Yeah. And, and I think there are some days where I'm able to just say, not today, Satan, I'm not going to, I, I acknowledge the pain is there. I recognize it. I'm not putting an opinion on it. I'm not going to go, God damn it, this is a bad day. Like, God damn it, I need my spoons or like whatever. I'm just going to say hello, invite it with me to come on whatever task I have to do. And I am not going to let my brain drag me down. And now that's much easier said than done when your fucking face is on fire. Absolutely. But that has been something that I've, uh, spent many years uh, learning how to control my feelings about my pain. And that's where it's a choice to too, right? Like mm-hmm. you and have to go like, I choose to do this today and to get through it. Yes. And a lot of people say that is so much fucking easier said than done because when it's physical, it's so much different from like depression, right? Like mm-hmm. where you're going, I'm not happy about this, but I'm going to fucking do it anyways. Versus I physically can't get up because I'm in pain. Yeah. Um, like that is definitely different. And so uh, again, I, I know it's a controversial thing to say, but I, I, some days I just, I don't, I think about it differently. And it's I mind think over my, matter. mind over matter really helps, but doesn't necessarily take any of the pain away. No. What about yeah. like drugs, opioids? Oh yeah, love drugs. Acupuncture. Love. <laughs> I love drugs. Love like drugs. are you, um, are, do you use like marijuana to, to manage the pain too? Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. So uh, I live in Los Angeles where there's a, a weed Thank store God. in every corner. Yeah. <laughs> um, I made a video that went uh, mega vi, as we called it at BuzzFeed, <laughs> uh, mega viral about CBD for chronic pain. Yeah. And 
I didn't even know what the fuck CBD was. That was the, ago. by the way, that was the first Buzzfeed video that I watched that where I was <gasps> oh like, my God. Oh my God, it's I'm this so person honored. like me. And I was uh, like, who's this chick? And so I've been following <laughs> you ever since. And oh, now you're on awesome. my show. So like, that's amazing. when I say that I'm like just barely containing my excitement. Oh, come on. <laughs> this is so awesome. Full circle. <laughs> Very full circle. That's yeah. yeah. And this is really cool what you do. Um, oh. I'm a fan of yours. Um, Please but, let's yeah. talk more about how great I am. No, this yeah. is the new show today. <laughs> no, no, no. I told you I'll talk forever, especially about <laughs> this kind of shit. No, um, but, I, I, but I'm interested. And I think other people who are listening are going to want to know like, what are some of the things like, should I be going for CBD? Should I be like going mm-hmm. for acupuncture? Should I be going? For Look, CBD, CBD yeah. is the thing. Mar- if you can tolerate marijuana, that would be my first suggestion before going to see a fucking specialist. Like if your yeah. doctor says, oh, you know, I can't help you or take these pills and, and you just don't like them and have that feeling of like, oh, fuck, I would all, I would, I say that in the mini documentary. I'm like, I would tell people to try marijuana before anything. Mm-hmm. Now I'm preaching what I don't practice because I cannot handle THC. I can handle CBD, but the, the, the compound that makes you actually high, I don't tolerate. My anxiety goes through the roof. I begin to disassociate. I can't do it. So I use things like, um, tinctures and full CBD salves and, uh, or salves. Sorry. I, I just recently found out that it's pronounced salve instead of salve. And I say salve too. So, okay. So salves yeah, and we're right. So it doesn't, <laughs> yeah. <matter. laughs> um, so I, I, yeah, CBD definitely a big fan of it. Um, I have been through the fucking gamut with medication. I've done you name it. I've tried it. Um, I have recently found a bit of success actually now is about the hour that I need to take my second dose of gabapentin, which I know people have lots of of opinions about. Mm. Um, for me, I'm on an incredibly high dose and, uh, I don't even really like sharing what kind of medication I take because then people go like, Oh, I want to try it. And I'm like, no, 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 no. This is five years of <laughs> yeah, and this is just what works for you right now, and yeah, and right now, in a month, and so. it it will change. It will absolutely. That's what I've learned about medication. I'm a huge fan though of it. If you need it, great. If you hate it, great. Um, acupuncture has absolutely been my favorite thing, and I will not go to a white lady in Santa Monica. <laughs> I want my fucking acupuncturist to be like traditionally trained. Um, I want them to know what the fuck they're doing. And that took a long time to find. I was lucky enough to find someone in Los Angeles who I didn't even have to tell him what hurt. He felt my body and he went to places that I didn't know were able to be reached by needle and have effect. And, um, you know, I, I love acupuncture. I don't give That's a shit right. what anyone says. Uh, oh, no, I've I tried it. everything though. I also I find it's one of those fucking... modalities that like it mm. like brings everything together a little bit too. Mm. Like, it helps you connect yeah. dots with different things. Totally. Well, your whole your entire body is affected when you're sick, whether it be chronic illness, pain, or a cold. Your entire body functions as a unit, and I think mm. acupuncture really does a really good job of. Uh, treating the body as a whole and not just the, you know, quote unquote broken part. And uh, I've recently got into um, exercise and hiking. 
I got sober recently, which has been incredibly wonderful for inflammation. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like 200 and something days. I'm fostering dogs, which forces me to get out of the house and Mm. and take walks. And I know Lara probably will tell you that like her dog helps her stay alive too. Like when you have this other being, my biggest fear was like, I can't take care of a fucking dog. I can't take care of myself. But there's something that happens if you're an animal lover where, you know, you see this big derpy doofus who just are you looking at Leo you. while you're telling me that? I'm, I'm looking at Barry. This oh, is my foster Barry. dog, Barry. Yeah. <laughs> and Leo's somewhere. He's in his cat cradle. Uh, Leo the giant yeah, cat. Yeah. The huge giant cat. Uh, <laughs> the absurdly like comical cat. Um, a huge cat. But yeah, there's something, there was something about uh, this year that I went, you know, I'm going to acupuncture, I'm taking pills, I'm trying to treat the jaw and the nerve pain, but I'm not taking care of the rest of my body. I'm Mm. not fucking exercising. I'm not even just taking walks. I'm not eating right. I'm drinking all the fucking time. And I just said, what if, you know, like Mm. I claim to be trying my best to get better, but like, am I actually, Kelsey, like I had to really take a pretty hard look at myself and be very honest with myself. Like, am I actually doing the fucking absolute work? work? Yes. And again, I am lucky that I can get out of my house and walk and do a hike. I am very lucky that I can do that. Mm -hmm. It doesn't feel good, but I can do it. And so again, like when I do these things, I think about doing it for all the fucking people that can't, all the people that are stuck in their bed who can't even use their legs, who aren't mobile and like, again, turning pain into purpose and not carrying the burden of like being an activist, but truly just like, how can we, how can I as, as a community member of this like Spoonie community make everyone proud or like make people feel like they have someone to look at? Yeah. And like give them something to work with. What about also like, um, yeah. What about like laser too? Cause when you guys did, Mm -hmm. you guys were doing laser Mm -hmm. and you guys went home with like your own laser devices. I asked Laura, you still doing it? What'd she say? Does she still use it? Yeah. She still uses hers. Yeah. I know she went back down to Florida after we shot to do another treatment, which is amazing. Unfortunately for me, it didn't do shit. Mm. (laughs) I have the laser. I have, uh, a very complicated case. Again, I have yeah. 75% of my jaw is titanium. So like, it's very hard to pinpoint yeah, sure. the issue. And I, I don't think with lasers a lot of, and titanium too. Yeah. <laughs> like, like the, the TN that the lasers had a lot of success with was a TN that hadn't been caused by uh, medical malpractice. It was yeah. something that someone had fell into or grew into or genetically had. So mm. I think I, I say that with the asterisk that I would still highly recommend people with TN, especially to look into that. But, yeah. you know, I go to neuropathy clinics. I, you know, I'm constantly on the lookout for like nerve specific, uh, treatments because yeah. that's really what is tricky is nerve damage mm. and treatment for for neuropathy and and neuropathic pain that is just it's so tricky yeah it's a tricky bitch yeah it really is yeah especially because yeah. people can't see it and sometimes it's like in places that are so deep you can't even you can't see it like it's here but it's like yeah in there in your brain it could could be in your brain or in your neck or in your shoulder and it just happens to trip wire that tiny uh 
fucking smaller than a, a you know, a grain of sand spot that, yeah. you know, yeah, it's tough. It's really it's, tough. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting too, because it sounds like you have become your own advocate. I mean, I think most mm. people know you to be a pretty tough bitch when it comes to <laughs> having to like <laughs> deal with, oh yeah, you know, like <laughs> you're not going to take shit from people, you know, um, right. Right. but that's obviously like, that sounds like it's something that you had to a grow into and oh, yeah. be, you know, like, I'm also wondering if there's anyone else who has helped you as an advocate along mm. this, you know, the, the journey. That's really uh, interesting. You know, like whether I haven't really thought about or, that. Yeah. yeah. You know, you know, you, t- you, s- you talk about the tough bitch thing and like, it makes me laugh because like I cry mm. every doctor appointment I go to. Like I, get so again the word frustration comes up like I try to make sure that I am completely heard every appointment like I will call before I go and go look schedule me for three hours like I don't know what I'm telling you that if I'm paying for this appointment like I don't care if you guys do $200 for 30 minutes I need time to explain my full case and if he does not have that time don't book me you know I I try to make the most out of each doctor's appointment. And I definitely became an accidental ad- advocate for myself because I ran out of options. You know, when it mm. comes to my parents, they live on the other side of the country and they just feel incredibly guilty and they don't know how to help. And yeah. uh, out of sight, out of mind kind of situation, they don't really get to see the really bad days. They only hear updates every now and then. And mm you know, they're the only ones that have been really with me through the entire thing. I've dated partners that just had no clue Mm. what to do. And I've had people that I've dated briefly that I never even brought it up to because I was like, there's no point in trying to (laughs) go through the history. Like, I feel like I should just show you a a movie and be like, here, watch this and then come talk to me if you still want to date. Like, Like, know know what you sign up for. But Mm. In the last two years, Jared, my partner, it has been completely different with the way he has supported me like no other person. And, Mm. you know, he grew up with a sister who has cerebral palsy, like head to toe Mm. disabled, full-time caretakers. Um, He grew up in a very hostile environment of of pain and disability. Mm. And that he, they didn't know how to deal with it. They, you know, she can't, she's nonverbal, she can't see well. And it it was very bad. And luckily, you know, 20 something years later, she's in a much better position. She has full-time care and, you know, everyone feels very good about Mm. where she is now, but he had many, many years of very fucked up, um, helplessness where he couldn't help her. And he was a kid, so he didn't know how to help her. And I, and, you know, we talk a lot about this in therapy where I think the reason why he is such an incredible partner and thank the fucking universe every day that we found each other. And I Mm -hmm. did find someone who was so compassionate and understanding that he now is in a position where he feels like he can help and uh, that he wants to help and that he has the ability to sort of 
I don't want to say like make up for lost time, but kind of like what he couldn't give to his sister, he's able to help me with. And yeah. well, he's grown um, up to be the opposite of the environment that he was raised into. Exactly. And and that can get dangerous sometimes because you also don't want just one person to be your sure. Rock, but you're very you know? much your advocate too. It sounds right. like you know, right. it's not like you're right. on him exclusively. No. I don't have guilt. I don't feel like I'm a burden again. I'm very aware of you know, I found a funny meme the other day that I sent to him that was like a guy who was holding up a sign that's like, you know, people in chronic pain, if uh, if I'm not talking about it, it fucking hurts. If I am talking about it, it really fucking hurts. So Jared knows that if I'm saying, hey, I'm not having a good day, he knows that it is at another level than yeah. the daily stuff. So yeah, man, I'm lucky. I'm so, 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 so lucky that he, you know, he doesn't, understand everything he doesn't know all the terminology he doesn't know every doctor's name but he Mm. is there for me and he believes me and he that's huge will put me above everything else when it comes to my pain like he knows and and that's because when we met I was exhausted of hiding it and lying about it and I just you know on our second date I told him the entire story and you know I just wanted to put it all out there. I was like, this is what you're signing up for, bitch. Yeah. Take it or leave it. <laughs> and at that point, I was used to people leaving it, and so I didn't give a shit. And yeah. It was a nice surprise mm. to find someone, you know, it restored faith in humanity, as the internet says. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. This episode is sponsored by Ember Labs, creators of the Ember Wave, the intelligent bracelet that helps control how you experience temperature. I'm heat sensitive, and this device has been a lifesaver. Using patented technology, it cools or warms the temperature-sensitive skin on your wrist, creating a natural response in your body and mind that helps you thermally adjust in minutes. It was selected by Time magazine as one of 2018's best inventions. For those of you with mounting medical costs to consider, the team at Ember offer a payment plan in partnership with a firm. And because you listen to Uninvisible Pod, they are offering you $30 off. Go to emberlabs.com, that's E-M-B-R labs.com, Enter code INVISIBLE at checkout and experience personal thermal wellness on a whole new level with me. So let's change gears a little. And I wanted to get your thoughts on your rocky, if you will, (laughs) experience with the healthcare system. I mean, it's a pretty common discussion that most, we we pretty much know it's broken, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm wondering if like there are ways in which it has worked in your favor Mm. Um, as well as ways in which it hasn't. Okay, sure. Uh, much easier to talk about the ways in which it hasn't, but <laughs> yeah, let's let's start off with the bad so that we can get to the good. Yeah. Um, I think it is fucked from a level of set from infancy. The fact yeah. that you know we don't know what any of the languages and dealing with medical insurance with mm. um the Lack of education, uh, that's what that Lack of education yeah. and the lack of access. I mean, why are we learning about mitochondria being the powerhouse <laughs> of the cell and not deductibles and yeah. not finding... I mean, if I had the, the choice to make a fucking school curriculum, healthcare would probably be number one. Healthcare uh, and finances. On the board. Yes, healthcare finances and like uh, computer science and coding, yeah. right? Like yeah. that's the future of it. Um, yeah, absolutely. I think it stems from a level of 
when this was all happening to me, I mean, my first surgery was when I was 19. Mm -hmm. I was still on my parents' insurance. They were the ones that dealt with bills. They were the ones that had the phone calls with the doctors. I was blissfully unaware. And Mm -hmm. so when things got really bad and I didn't have, you know, I was on the other side of the country and I had to be making these phone calls and I came off my parents' insurance, I was completely lost. I didn't even know where to fucking start. All I know is I was on these phone calls and I was being put on hold. Every conversation ended up being a 45 minute to an hour long subject that I would end up in tears by the end. It became a very negative experience. I hate the word. It's very triggering. Having to call anybody on the phone about my health gives me overwhelming rage and anxiety. Yeah. And I hate that. I'm very aware that that's my feelings towards it. And I'm actively trying to make it feel like empowerment over a powerless to the system. So again, that comes with coming as prepared as you can not being afraid to ask questions, not being afraid to fight for yourself, not being afraid to say, can I speak to your fucking manager, even though I am a white lady with a short haircut. I am not afraid (laughs) to be that stereotype. Let me speak to your fucking manager. I don't give a shit. And being there with kindness, that honey always catches more flies than vinegar, that these people are just doing their job. Uh, Yeah. I think I was able to learn how to, it's like putting on a hat, right? I tell myself, I'm going to put on this hat and be this person and talk this way. And oh gosh, ma'am, I'm so sorry. Happy new year. Thank you so much. And like, whatever I got to fucking do to get what I want from these people is what I got to fucking do. I feel like performers uh, have an easier time with that. Like you're used to oh my working God, yeah. an audience so you can work yeah. someone in a call center. Absolutely. I can't imagine what, you know, the average Joe who doesn't have these superb sketch comedy <laughs> skills. Uh, yeah, it really is like playing a character for a few hours. Um, yeah. And again, setting aside the time and then also saying, I'm going to set aside time to not have this conversation. You know, mm-hmm. when I do speak with my dad, who's helping me with a case, I have to say, hey, dad, when I come home for Christmas, I will sit down and talk with you for this amount of time about it. And then for the rest of the time, I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. And putting up those boundaries and also, you know, thanking people when they've helped. And I know mm-hmm. that it, my dad could also say, fuck you. I don't have to help you at all. Mm-hmm. So knowing, uh, you know, coming to an agreement of knowing when, when is my time to also be grateful and thankful and when is the time to be angry. <laughs> and then, yeah. you know, in a way that the system has helped me, I will say maybe indirectly it's helped me in that BuzzFeed was an amazing company that had unlimited sick days Mm. and a very young HR department and a very understanding culture of what wellness and chronic pain was. And, you know, I give a lot of credit to the Spoonies at BuzzFeed who made the culture that way, Mm. but we could do our jobs from anywhere, you know, most of the time and them understanding that I feel like they set a precedent for me moving forward with any other sort of hiring situation that I know what I need and what my standard is of care and not being afraid to ask for it because guess what? I have the fucking numbers to prove that I can be successful now. And if I need to work from home four days a week, I can still deliver. And you know, that, uh, again, incredibly spoiled in that sense because I would I can't even imagine how many people that have a regular nine yeah. to five 
can't aren't afforded that opportunity yeah and the lifestyle change you know it's also like sure everyone should be treated that way because people matter like yeah, it's, no, it's like the a, foreign concept. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah to a lot of I, companies you know, it is. Whenever you're right, whenever I use that language and I start to kind of like harp on myself a little bit, I stop and tell myself actively. Sometimes I will literally sit here and say this out loud to myself in an empty apartment and say, "Fifty percent of Americans have chronic pain." Fifty. That's just that's the half. people who are reporting it too. Exactly, and that's not even chronic illness. Add, you know, everything else. And I will go, it's the same with anxiety. The second I started talking about it, the more people came to me saying, oh my God, thank you. I've never, I never thought I could talk about this or like you helped me come out as, you know, anxious or whatever it is Mm. that I have to sit here and stop and say, I am not alone. I am not fucking crazy. I am not needy. I am not irrational. I'm not being... A, a problem or a burden. And I think for anyone who maybe doesn't have that luxury that can't, you know, stand up and stick it to the man all the time is to at least just walk through your day knowing that, you know, yeah. you don't always need to voice it and you don't need to walk into your boss's office and kick the door down and say, I want more like yeah. <laughs> better healthcare or, or whatever is to at least believe it yourself and know yeah. the statistics and know the facts about how many people live with this and, and know your rights know, uh, know that you matter, know that you fucking matter. It's, it's at least getting that drilled into your head. Kelsey gives you permission. (laughs) I allow it. You allow it. it. The (laughs) self-worth The the self-worth is my favorite new saying. Um, But yeah, you're totally, totally right. It's just, that simple phrase can really mean so much and sounds stupid but yeah i don't think it sounds stupid at all because it's legitimate the truth statistics and it's like yeah and and again this is just this shit that's being reported it's like you know it's we don't even know there are epidemics that are beyond the proportion of of what we even have data on so and i think that that also just comes back to the simple fact of talking about it not being embarrassed of whatever condition you have and and you know i even have to fucking check myself sometimes i'm not gonna Mm -hmm. lie like i have to check myself sometimes at people who are uh our spokespeople and (laughs) sometimes i i want to roll my eyes a little bit at you know, I'm making air quotes of like the way it's shoved down my throat. And then I have to fucking check myself. I'm not going to lie. Like my ableism is not settled and is not as, um, uh, as woke as I'd like it to be. And, uh, balancing like how I feel about people who, whose entire, you know, agenda and motive and MO and, and identity is based in their disability. Mm. And, um, yeah, I I mean, that's something that I, I definitely think about a lot is why do I feel a type of way? But I mean, at the same time, I'm kind of like, you know what I'm talking about, right? You know, those people who just, it's like, but it's also like we live in a, in such a pervasive culture of ableism. Mm. It's kind of hard to, Mm -hmm. to remove yourself from it or remove it from your identity as well yeah. when you're brought up in a yeah. certain belief system that's just like it's not even discussed until we talk about it on, on my show. And, but, and you know, we need I mean, those like, people. Like we yeah. need those people that are like kind of obnoxious about it. And yeah. I try to think that I, I I balance it well, but like I follow so many people because, you know, I want to flood my 
feeds with people that aren't as able as I am. Like I do that on purpose. And then I find myself being like, God, just shut the fuck up. Can you tweet about anything else? And then I'm like, but we need those disruptors. We need those people. Like they're doing things that you're not doing. And, uh, there are some people when they harp on one thing, Mm -hmm. if they do it long enough and if they do it with enough vigor, like people, we have, I sound like I'm talking about sex, but you know, like like (laughs) that's, but literally like if they do it long enough and they do it hard enough, it's hard enough. Yeah. (laughs) Someone will come. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, it is true. It's It's that squeaky wheel, isn't it? Yeah. And I think it's about attitude, right? Because then I think about too, like you can have these conversations about a lot of things like Mm. race, right? Like I think white people are like, we're so sick, like of uh, people shoving it down our throats or like, it's not our fault. (laughs) It's like, it's not our generation didn't do these things. And it's kind of like, well, you have to realize that like people of color are fucking exhausted and they have no reason to be kind about it. Like they're, you're lucky if you get a kind conversation about it because I would be the same fucking way. Yeah, And so I try to remember that that same idea in disability is like these, I'm on a, I'm on a different path. I'm on a different Mm -hmm. journey than these people and what they're doing is important and valid. And I'm, I'm lucky that I bear witness to the work that they're doing. And maybe it's not said the way I want them to say it. And maybe it's not on my time that I want them to be Mm. advocating. And maybe sometimes I'm just exhausted of seeing and dealing with chronic illness and pain that I'm just like, Oh, I just want to see some stupid cat gifts. Like, can I just scroll (laughs) past it? That like, I, I have to stop and like hit the heart button and, 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 and then move over to we rate dogs. Exactly. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Great. I know exactly. Great account to follow. But it is yeah. that exact thing. I because I have the exact same thing in my social mm. accounts, especially too, because it's like, right. I consciously removed myself from like listening to the 24 hour news cycle or watching 24 yes. hour news cycle. So like when I seek information, it's very purposeful. And mm-hmm there are specific people who we're following on social media because we're looking for information. We're looking for disruptors for people who are engaging in the conversation, Mm -hmm. who are pushing it past the limits that we thought existed. But at the same time, sometimes we just need to like, Turn Watch it a cat off. Jump on a mouse exactly. Or you know, like. And 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 it's been fun. <laughs> fun. It's been interesting to confront my own ableness, yeah. ableism, and in, in being like, why? Mm-hmm. Why do I feel a innate annoyance over compassion? Why? Mm-hmm. And I think it, it it's probably a reflection of how I feel about my own shit, right? Like that's yeah. always what it comes back to is like your own fucking ego. And so to like ego check myself has been very fun because like I said, I'm a very sensitive being. I cry when I'm frustrated. And so to, again, coming back to like what I said in the beginning, to actively put myself in a place of discomfort, it, it helps me grow. Yeah. Yeah. I love how you said that. Like, is that grow with a question mark? Is that, <laughs> would my therapist agree with me? <laughs> yeah. Or, or is it that you're supposed to be moving in that direction anyway, and it's not so much growth? As right. Like Am I on the wrong side of the history or whatever? Right. Like, Which is, but I know. think that's also this idea of ableism is then so innately tied to all of these ideas of social justice. That, Absolutely. That are even more buzzy conversations now. Right. In this, post-truth era with this. Right. I like what you just said. You know, yeah. Cause I, I think we all feel, well, not all of us, obviously, but, um, I'd say the majority of us feel, um, 
more responsibility for one another. And that's becoming ever Mm -hmm. more clear when we have a government that doesn't necessarily do the things we want it to do, or Mm -hmm. when we're experiencing things in the health system that are working against us. Like there are so many things that I think we're realizing are broken, um, that we knew were broken, but Adulthood is hard. Yeah. Can we just go back to coloring and shit? Like it really Uh, is what you said. Like that's so, so true. Right. And, and it makes me feel like, um, yeah, again, I think that's why I force myself to stop and like all those tweets, even if it, it, even if it's like what you said, if it's just the broader social justice thing right now is like, we all really do need to, uh, go hard in a certain direction. And, and, you know, it, it, maybe it's also the entertainer in me. Like people love a fucking point of view, right? Like, and I think I have a very strong point of view, but I'm also so afraid of being called out on my shit. Like I am so scared of Mm -hmm. being yelled at or like being wrong. Yeah. And I, I'm getting over the idea of like that fear because look at my my activism and mental health and 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 other aspects of my life where i feel so confident because it is so personal that i feel yeah. like i could uh educate myself a lot more and you know like you said like we're all just we're all just trying to keep up we're all yeah. just a little bit like and it's about balance yeah. yeah like it's also about just like sometimes giving yourself a break from it because like we all need to recharge somehow it's that like that meme we always see of like everything <laughs> works better if you plug it in for oh, a yeah. or you unplug it or whatever you plug it in unplug yeah. it whatever you want to do but like plug it in plug, plug it in. in that was what i thought too <laughs> but it's like you know oh there's how pervasive advertising culture is but you know mm-hmm. it it's <laughs> it's really like we all just need to find the ways and navigate the ways and create the structure and the boundaries for ourselves to like fucking chill out sometimes because yeah. you can't be on all the time. And that's why, no. and hey, white people, that's why black people are so fucking exhausted because they have yeah. to be on all the time. On all the time. You I know? think about like the, the the women of color I follow on Twitter who tweet 20 times a day and yeah. I'm like, they do not have to be doing this. Like I am so lucky to be fought. Like I am lucky to read their words because otherwise I would be as ignorant as I was growing up in a small conservative fucking right-wing Christian town. I am lucky I got out. I'm lucky I have this ability to read their words. And I feel the same way about the women that I follow that talk about disability because I... Women being the key word Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Whatever, like whatever. But the point being is... I think just there are great dudes out there too and and everything and everyone in between, but yeah, Yeah. it's very interesting. I was having this discussion with my GP right before this Mm. interview where she was like, so your medical team and we were looking through every one of my doctors is female and they're all Ah, and they're all people who I sit and I like have conversations with. Ah. And it's very interesting because I went, oh my God, you're right. Happy fucking new year to me. Amazing. But who are the ones who are providing the care that like have finally met my standards and who uh, fuck. nothing against the dudes of the world. Like, no, love but can't live without right, you. But right. I don't know that I've ever had a, I've never had a choice, right? Like mm. I, with my entertainment team, my manager, agent, lawyer, everything down to my business manager are all women because I have That's that choice awesome. with like trigeminal neuralgia. 
there is like one guy in LA who people are like, this is the guy. And then I was seeing one guy for a very long time at Cedar sinai who performed two nerve blocks on me. And then he went and fucking died. And I was like, well, that's how rude. selfish. <laughs> so insensitive. <laughs> how dare you die when I am in pain? And then of course, like I was like, oh, fuck me. I'm an this awful person. Okay. Yeah. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. But I really did put myself first there for a minute being like, what? a dick. You mm. sit there with me for three hours every appointment and I trust you and we have a great thing going and then you fucking die. Oh, <laughs> God damn it. Life you should really have known it. Was he old? <laughs> so he like, yes, he was old and you forgot he, that exit plan. <laughs> I forgot that exit plan. And here's the best part is he created exit plans for all of his patients. He had like oh, a wow. month of when he was diagnosed with cancer and when he passed. And <sighs> in that month, the entire time he spent like in Bermuda with his wife, building exit plans for every single one of his patients. That's amazing. And that's how I got passed off to the UCL, at UCLA pain center is because he took the time to study my case and go, who would be the best doctor after me for her in case anything happened. That's fucking and, amazing. You know. Yeah. But it's still a dick move for him to die in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's just leave it with that. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry guys. I'm a comic. I deal with pain through comedy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so do a lot of us though. And like right. well, a lot sorry, of us turn to sorry. you for that too. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, okay. What about also um, like undue prejudice? Like have you been in, and are there any specific experiences that you can recall right now? Um, experiences where you were like judged either because you were a woman in pain that people weren't believing mm-hmm. or because you had something that no one could see and people were like, what are you talking about? Like there's no tumor, mm-hmm. so you're fine. You know, mm-hmm. like, have you had these like adverse experiences that have been like very specific or anything that like you can recall that, that sort of comes to mind that makes you go, Oh, this fucking one time. Yeah, sure. You know, it's interesting. I've been lucky in that I usually have two kinds of experiences. One people have followed my story and know, and will come up to me and talk to me and be incredibly gracious and compassionate. And the second is when I have to drop the knowledge, I feel like I've built up this routine of the way that I talk about it. Because after telling my story so many times in an awkward way where people kind of confronted me with, um, oh God, oh Jesus Christ, really? That's awful. Your life, holy shit. And not knowing (sighs) how to respond, I learned how to do like PSA, we all just need you to say like, I'm that not, I'm sorry. We need you to say that sucks. That sucks. I'm here for you. Yeah. Yeah. And so after dealing with that so many times, you kind of develop like a song and dance to talk about it. Yeah. Sure. But I will say that absolutely. That's what I'm talking about. Like socially, mm. as far as medically, that is where the issues have come up. One yeah. has been my age for sure. Yeah. Where you know, I was dealing with this shit in my early 20s and having to go to these doctor's appointments with these fucking dinosaurs who have been practicing this shit for forever and have the same uh, medications. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, I've had doctors come in who I can think of one specifically that would not even remember my name. And he would be like, what did we have you on? And I'd be like, you're the doctor, like, bitch. Look at the fucking chart. Read my fucking chart. Like, at least act like you read my chart before you oh walked God. in. Don't ask me, like, what we've done. Yeah, no. And I I can't. I have tried so many goddamn pills and procedures. I cannot keep track of all my fucking symptoms. Like, I keep a pain journal, sure. And, like, I can 
fucking remember what I can, but like, dude, don't let all of this shit fall on me. Like we are a team here. And that is frustrating as fuck when you're not even going to try to pretend like you remember my name or what we've done. And, uh, I also have a big problem with, because I also have these issues with my mental health, with anxiety and depression, not taking that into account of what we are prescribing or treating is mm. I have to actively be like, hold on. I'm Does afraid that, that my anxiety. Yeah. Will that affect my mood? Like, how is this, how am I going to, how are you going to work with my psychiatrist? Also, are you going to call her and have conversations with her? Like, mm. you know, I've definitely had that frustration of like feeling like I'm being bypassed with how intense my condition is. And I go into every doctor's meeting like this. I'm going to be your most complicated case and your problem child. And they usually laugh and say, well, I'm a specialist. You know, everything I see is complicated. And I go, no, No. listen to me. me. Here is a stack of CDs. Here's a printed out pamphlet of all my surgeries. I'm going to send this to you beforehand. I want you to fucking read it. Yeah. I want you to read it so that when I come in and tell you my bullet points, and I literally have a file saved of bullet points of how I I talk to doctors when I have to see a new doctor. And if it's a gut feeling and every Spoonie knows this, and if you feel like you are not being heard, Mm. walk out of that door and ask for your fucking money back, write a Yelp review, tweet about it, talk about it. Amen. I don't care if you sound like you're being a fucking dick, but yeah. if he, if the, if that doctor is not a good doctor, fucking say it. And I would say my doctor's name. I've been wanting to say it for five fucking years, but because of the litigation, yeah. I'm not allowed to say it. Don't worry, we'll have you back on the show to do it when you win. When I'm <laughs> swimming in my my healthcare uh, bank account, I will <laughs> come back on and your brand new HSA. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. We will we will talk about it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm excited to hear how that goes. So, listen, we're gonna <laughs> round everything out, and I end Great. my interviews with some top three lists. Um, just two of them. The first one is. What are your top three tips? And you sort of gone through this a little bit while we've been chatting, but top three tips, if you can sum them up for someone who maybe thinks they might be joining the Spoonie Club or, um, you know, maybe is in it or like has TN or somebody Mm -hmm. who is living like us, Mm -hmm. um, what would you recommend for them to, to make shit happen? Sure. I'm going to talk specifically about facial pain. Yeah. Go for it. Yeah, because I think that's a very uh, tricky place. My first piece of advice, number three, is go straight to the top. Fucking mm-hmm. skip the orthodontist, skip the dentist, skip your general practitioner. If you can, go straight to a neurologist or uh, a maxillofacial pain doctor. Mm-hmm. See that first because you're going to save a lot of money and fucking consultation fees and x-rays and by exact. Oh my God, girl. Yeah. I wasn't even thinking <laughs> time. The most that, precious so of those right. resources. The most yeah. precious of it all. And when this you're like, like you, yeah, yeah, this is you your, probably, you're like, I'm a white lady with short hair and I'd like to speak to your manager. <laughs> exactly. I didn't even think I'm like, just, I'm so used to our lives being mostly doctor's appointments that I didn't even think about that. But you know, yeah. uh, 
that is another thing is, you know, I freelance and I, I have a calendar that I control. So I definitely don't take that for granted in that mm-hmm. I have the ability to just go to the doctor in the middle of the day on a Tuesday. Um, but maybe that is my second piece of advice. Number two is um, put yourself first in these scenarios. If you have to take the PTO, take the fucking PTO or get your shift covered or whatever you can because your health, if you are not functioning, you will not be able to do anything else. Put your mask on before you put it on your toddlers, yada, 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 the whole airplane analogy thing. Uh, And then number one is hmm, (laughs) uh, dress for... Dress for, I was going to say like dress for um, comfort, not uh, fashion. So like Like that's, that's like, yeah, function over fashion. And that's, that's more applicable to just like daily life. Like how are you going to be the most comfortable in every appointment, job, anything that you have to do that day? Like Mm. put your illness first. And I think that can be like, oh, that sucks. But I think if you incorporate it as a positive thing, like I think you will be a lot happier. Like mm-hmm. I love being able to leave at 7.30 instead of 9.30 because I have a flare up. Like I take that to my advantage and I found the good in it. And like, yes, some yeah. days I get frustrated that I couldn't stay later to the party or whatever. But uh, I think Irish finding buy that joy, shit. You get the fuck out when you need to Hell go. yeah. Take advantage <laughs> of being a spoonie yeah. when you can of like binge the Netflix series before everyone else can finish it or like find the positive. Cause I think it's really easy to find negatives about staying in bed all day. Yeah. But I think if you can try and spin it on the positive and, and you know, take it one day at a time. Cause if you think of things too macro, you will fucking go crazy. So just mm. try to think of it a day at a time. One of my really good friends who's also been on the show, she actually has this like trick for when she's, and I have to remind her about it every time she has a flare. Um, mm. But she'll text me. She'll be like, I see the flare coming. What do I do? And I'm like, you get your list of happy things. And she literally has uh-huh. a list of like, shit to do when she's stuck in bed and like Mm. is feeling stir crazy or whatever, whether it's like, here are my favorite shows or Mm -hmm. like listen to this book on tape or listen to this album, whatever it is. Like, and so she keeps like a a happy shitty times happy list. Right. Oh, shitty times happy list. Yeah. That's, I just named it, but you know, (laughs) like that's amazing. But that's exactly like you're saying, do that. And I'm like, hey, but if you do that, keep the list if you're a type A person like us. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Like uh, I think the biggest shift of of being someone with that's chronically in pain is uh, mourning the person I was before. And mourning sounds so sad in like a funeral or some shit, but I think there's also so much growth and opportunity to be had in the idea of letting something go. Yeah. And I, again, had to shift perspective on just being like, how do mentally do I wrap my fingers around the idea of this being a positive instead of a negative? Because everyone else is fine and everyone else's life is perfect. And of yeah. course, you know, nobody's is guys, despite right, what right. Instagram is trying to tell you. <laughs> and I'm guilty, guilty, guilty. <laughs> we all are. Yeah. All right. Last top three list is Ooh. top three things that give you unbridled joy that like, despite <laughs> everything you've been through and lifestyle changes that you've made, you know, like you've been working on your fitness, you're, you, yes. you're sober, you were thinking about your diet, yes. all this kind of thing. 
Are there three things that you are completely mm-hmm. unwilling to compromise on, despite the fact that like uh, maybe they trigger a yeah. Hit me, hit me. I will say recently, number three has been dark chocolate sea salt caramels in any form. Oh, yeah. So whether it be uh, Trader Joe bars or uh, the Ghirardelli chocolate squares, uh, anything that is dark chocolate with sea salt and caramel, yes, is the answer. Yep. Uh, <laughs> number two, I would say I don't compromise on going to the mountains. Mm. Uh, I've loved to ski since I was a kid and cold and travel can be huge triggers for people with facial pain. Mm. And I always, every year try to get a mountain trip in, no matter how scared I am, no matter how much pain I am in. I know that when I am flying down a mountain skiing at like, you know, however many miles per hour I'm going and I'm looking at the, uh, Appalachia that I feel amazing. So I, when the mountains call, you must go You answer. I am Elsa. Yeah, um, <laughs> I think we're Olaf, maybe. <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely Olaf. Olaf with with the fa- with the round face. Um, <laughs> I was thinking uh, more being cold and snowy. <laughs> oh yeah, that too. Uh, I'll go with the cute, adorable button face. Yeah. Um, and the number one I would say uh, is masturbating. Yeah, girl. You and Laura are the only two people who have talked about that. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, my God. I recommend – and, like, it sounds like a joke and it sounds like I'm being crass, but I fucking swear to God, Mm. when you are in pain or you are having a panic attack or when you feel your mood or whatever, I will shut the fucking door and go to town. And that is something (laughs) that I am lucky, again, that I am so comfortable with my body to be able Mm -hmm. to do that. But, like – Girl, just fucking stick your hand in your goddamn pants next time yeah. you're feeling a flare and see what magic can happen because just not in public. Because not, not yeah. Or you know what? Have you ever been driving your car? And like, <laughs> strategic you know, masturbation. Strategic, but still not fully in public. Like yep. I'm not okay, okay. With my cooch, but I will say <laughs> a, a random hand down the pants on the highway. I listen. Yeah, we can okay. handle it. We can handle Don't it. Knock it till you try it. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it. interesting you say that too, because that just plays out the dichotomy of pain and pleasure that your body is <laughs> capable of like total debilitating pain and then the kind of pleasure that like makes your whole body shake. So, yeah, absolutely. You're, you're reminding yourself that your body is capable of feeling good. Yes. Oh my God. You just fucking therapized that so You're hard welcome. that's what it is <laughs> totally oh, but it's also like it's like fucking endorphins and dopamine it's like all, all that's good chemicals is. that are being produced when yeah you do and you know too. what like it you gotta do if when you are in your fucking fetal position on the floor day i don't give a shit what your crutch is mm-hmm. i don't judge look i don't fucking judge i don't care what it is do it do yeah. what you gotta do to make yourself feel good yeah yeah and it could and also be sex. Note, it doesn't have to be masturbation. Order but. a piece of pizza. Yeah. <laughs> Time for pizza and a dildo. <laughs> Time for d- that pizza and a dick. <laughs> I love that. I love it. That's really the perfect place for us to end. Yeah, it has been too. such a pleasure to have you on this the show, Kelsey. And you're going to come on Confidently Insecure. Yes, I am. Sure. I'm, I'm so excited. Episode. Yes. Yeah, um, and... um. Well, first of all, I'll finish, but like, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you. You too. You are. That's it, folks. Thanks for listening. 
As always, please check us out online at uninvisiblepod.com and all over the social media world at uninvisiblepod. We love your feedback and suggestions, so please drop us a line via the website if you have questions, ideas for topics to cover in future episodes, or just want to say hello. We're all about relationships and collaboration here, so credit where credit is due. Music for this episode is by Sean Hart, who can be found at seanhart.com. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to podcasts.